turning my back to you. Time and time again, I put myself before you, and yet I have the nerve to act like you owe me something. But I am nothing. Just a speck in the middle of the universe, just a tiny dot that could be wiped away in the blink of an eye, and yet you see me. You see my heart. You see my pain. You see my need for hope, my need for love, my need for a savior. But you alone are king. And I recognize now that I can't do this on my own. I recognize that without you, I am nothing. And I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking for hope. Jesus, I am asking for you to save me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. Create a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. Take away my sin and make me like you. Jesus, be my hope, be my joy, be my strength, be my king. Father, we thank you that you are all of those things and more. We thank you, Lord God, that uh, you are a mighty king. And we invite your presence here, that you would open our eyes and ears and our hearts to hear the word of God this morning. Lord, fill us with your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So good morning. It is so good to see all of you this morning and to see so many new faces this morning. Welcome. Today we're continuing our study on how to armor up. We've been in this message series called Basic Training for about four weeks. And last week we started talking about the armor of God or the armor of light. And so we're continuing that discussion today. Last week we said that putting on Christ, abiding in Christ, the armor of light and the armor of God are all one and the same thing. To put on the whole armor of God is to simply put on Jesus. Just as a soldier will put on armor in preparation for physical battle, you and I need to put on Jesus in preparation for spiritual battle. Jesus is the covering that protects us from all of the devil's attacks. But before we can put this armor on, there are things that we need to put off. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, makes it very clear that there is an order that we must follow. Put off before we're to put on. We put off the deeds of darkness before we put on the armor. Paul says here, beginning in verse 11, he says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. We must put off the deeds of darkness before we can put on the armor of God. Last week, I read through Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, and Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Both of these scriptures provide very specific lists of what those deeds of darkness are. 
that we need to put off. This is a prerequisite that is needed to properly wear the armor of light. And I cannot stress this point enough. Darkness has nothing in common with light. And we will not experience victory trying to wear the armor of light while still wearing deeds of darkness. Those deeds of darkness we've got to cast off. The truth of the matter is this. The Apostle John, he says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. He says that all who have the hope of salvation in Jesus will purify themselves just as Jesus is pure. Will. That's the whole point that Paul is making here in this text that we just read together. We are to purify ourselves by casting off the works of darkness. And then we're to put on the armor of light, which means we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't try to do this in our own strength, which is exactly what we talked about last week from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, where Paul says this. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not our strength, it's his. Now it's tempting to think, yeah, armor up. And then you grab all your armor and run into battle thinking you can just tackle the world, right? It's tempting to think that, but no, we're to do it in the Lord's strength and in his power and in his might. We always want to do battle that way. And then we need to put on the whole armor of God. Not just a part of it. You just don't want to grab the helmet or just grab the shield or just grab the shoes. You've got to have the whole armor of God, the word says. All of it. And what's cool about this armor that Paul talks about is that Jesus wears this very same armor himself. We talked about that last week. We saw in the Old Testament all of that. We're going to see that again today. Last week, we went through three pieces of armor that we're to put on together. We talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace. The belt of truth is what supports and holds everything together. That's what holds everything up. Because there's not many truths as the world believes. There is only one truth, and Jesus is that truth. And this belt of truth that's what holds who our true identity. That's who we are in Christ. Therefore, when the enemy attacks, we stand on the truth because Jesus is the truth. Jesus is also the breastplate of righteousness. It's his righteousness we receive by faith. We don't become righteous because we work for it. We are righteous because we believe by faith that Jesus was our substitute at the cross when he died for our sins. He had perfect righteousness the kind that you and I could never, ever attain, no matter how hard we try. On the cross of Calvary, there was a great exchange. Our sins for his perfect righteousness. The third piece of armor that we talked about last week was the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace. Jesus brought us the gospel of peace because he is the gospel of peace. His death, burial, and resurrection is the gospel. And it's this good news that brings peace. That's what brings peace. Peace with God because it was Jesus who reconciled us to God by his very own blood. Otherwise, we'd be subject to God's wrath and eternity in hell. We need to put on the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace. These are not house slippers. These are shoes. 
So we need to get moving and get sharing. And now we can pick up where we left off from last week. Let's review our text. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. So if you've got your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn there now. We've got Bibles here on the shelf that you're welcome to borrow. You can follow along on the screen. You can follow along on your mobile device. But please, follow along in the Word of God. You know what's awesome when your son gets up, goes in there to get his Bible? (laughs) Hey, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you for getting the Word of God. Amen. (laughs) Trying to raise you right, man. So therefore, verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That was all last week. Verse 16, we're picking up this week. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the next piece of armor that we are to put on is the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? Well, I'm going to say it right off the bat. The shield of faith is Jesus. That's who the shield of faith is. It's Jesus. Watch this. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. God says this to Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And then Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 29 says, Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help. So who is the shield? Jesus. That's right, the Lord. Now, for our next three scriptures that we're going to go through together, I want you to see the connection between the Lord as the shield and trust. The shield and trust. Because trust is what activates the shield. In order for the Lord to be the shield of faith for you, there must be trust in him from you. Let me say that again. In order for the Lord to be the shield of faith for you, there must be trust in him from you. Let's see this in in, uh, Psalm 18, verse 2. David says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You must have trust in him for him to be your shield. And Psalm 115, verses 9 through 11 says this, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Trust, shield. Verse 10, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. There it is, trust, shield. Verse 11, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You see the connection? Trust, shield. Now, my favorite is this. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, it says this. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to who? To those who put their trust in him. He is only a shield to those who actually put their trust in him. That's what that's saying. If there's no trust, then there's no shield. Trust is what activates the shield. That's what activates it. The only way for us to effectively hold up that shield of faith is by placing our complete trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus is essential for the shield of faith to be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. 
Now, the most common picture we often hear when it comes to the shield of faith is what Roman soldiers carried around in battle. And these shields were to stop the arrows from the enemy. And that works to a certain extent. But again, as I said last week, the armor of light is actually Jesus. The focus should be on Jesus, not on a Roman soldier. So for me to visualize carrying a shield of faith around like a Roman soldier in battle, it just doesn't quite capture the full meaning. I'll just be honest, it doesn't. A Roman shield only had limited protection. It was only so big and it only worked if you were standing behind it and your enemy was in front of you flinging arrows at you. That's the only time it would work. But our enemy is spiritual, which means he can attack from any direction. I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't even count how many times the enemy has come against me in a full frontal assault as if I saw him coming. That's not how he operates, right? He comes at you from the side. He comes at you from the behind. You can't even see him coming a lot of times, right? Am I the only one? Anyone else experience that? So I personally like to think of a shield of faith in a more modern context, personally. Instead of a shield that I would carry around like a Roman soldier, I think of it as a 360-degree invisible shield around me that that's what protects me. And what activates it is the trust in God. Now, if you've ever watched Star Wars or Star Trek, who's ever watched any of those? Okay. There's spaceships in those stories, right? I've got one right here, as a matter of fact. Who recognizes this spaceship here? Yeah, it's the Millennium Falcon, right? This is what my son and I put together. This is one of those projects that we did. I, I love doing Lego projects with him. You have it for free? You'll have to ask Given about that. If you've ever watched Star Wars or Star Trek, right, the spaceships all had a shield around them, didn't it? That shield would protect the ship, so no matter who was shooting at it, if the shield was activated, that laser could come in from behind, from the side, or from the front, and it just bounced right off, and it wouldn't harm the ship, as long as the shield was activated. That, to me, is a better analogy for the shield of faith that we have from God, because He is our complete shield. He's our complete protection, 360 degree, all the way around. doesn't matter how the enemy's coming at you. As long as you have that shield activated by faith, you can count on nothing being able to get through that. Amen? Amen. Now, the Bible defines faith in Hebrews chapter 11 as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance here, it literally means to stand under or support. So a Christ follower has complete confidence and complete assurance that he will stand, that he will be supported. That is his expectation. And it's an expectation without any visible proof. That's the evidence of things not seen that the Bible mentions here. So faith is having confidence and assurance that leads to trust. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to take this chair right here, and I recognize that this is a chair, right? And it's designed specifically to support me once I sit in it. I could sit here and talk to you all day and try to explain what this chair is made of, that it's made of, you know, metal. It has little rubber feet on the bottom of it, that it has a seat that's rated for who knows how many hundreds of pounds. that has cushions on it. I could talk to you all day about what this chair is designed to do. I can try to convince you that I trust in this chair. I can try to talk to you about how much I believe in this chair, that it will hold me up once I sit in it. But the key to our faith 
is actually acting on what we believe. You're not going to be able to know that I have true faith in this unless I actually sit down in it. Once I sit down in it, now I've proven my faith, right? That's how you prove your faith. You actually act on what you believe. You see, there's a big difference between knowing intellectually that God is your shield and then actually allowing him to be your shield for you. Amen? Genuine faith always results in us trusting God by obeying God. Always. Because if our faith is truly in God, you will obey God without the need for necessarily any visible evidence. Now, this isn't blind faith we're talking about. It's not blind faith. It's a faith that believes in what God has said, and then you trust him enough to actually take action on it. Faith and obedience, those two go hand in hand. You don't believe me? Just read Hebrews chapter 11 and see the mighty warriors of faith. They had great faith because they acted on what God had told them to do and they obeyed. They demonstrated their faith. It's trust or complete confidence that activates that shield of faith and this shield will not fail you once it's activated if it's activated by true trust in him. So if we go back to our text today, in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's especially look at verse 16. There are two things we need to take notice on. Two things that jump out here. The first of these two things is the first two words. Above all. Above all. This is so important. Above all. Faith is what empowers us. And it's what protects us. It's the catalyst that enables us to use all of God's armor. Just like the belt of truth holds everything together, the shield of faith is what gives the power and protection to stand against anything the enemy throws at us. So above all, above everything else, we need to activate this shield by faith, by trusting in Jesus completely. Take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Here's the second thing to notice. Notice the word all. Notice how encompassing that word is. It doesn't matter how strong and powerful the enemy is. It doesn't matter which direction he's attacking from. It doesn't matter whatever he's attacking us with. The shield of faith has the power to extinguish every single dart that is thrown at you. Every single one. Do you believe this? Yes. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You are being guarded by God's power. Amen? That is absolutely awesome right there. I love this verse. You're being guarded. God is more powerful. He's more mighty. He's more awesome than anything or anyone we could ever imagine. And our faith is what activates this protection. The shield of faith. Do you believe his word? Read the many stories of faith in God's protection. He is trustworthy. He has proven it over and over again. His power is what guards us through our faith. As we said last week, Jesus wears the same armor that Paul tells us to put on. I've showed you from the Old Testament explicitly where the scriptures say that Jesus wears this same armor. But when it comes to the shield of faith, this is not as easy to see because the Bible does not explicitly mention Jesus wearing the shield of faith like the other pieces of armor. However, 
If you carefully study the word of God, you can absolutely conclude that Jesus wears this same armor. Let me show you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we know from Scripture that Jesus pleased God. On two different occasions, God specifically said so. One of these was the occasion when Jesus was baptized. He came up out of the water. You might remember, God spoke and said this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And these are the same words that God spoke at the transfiguration. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John, they went to a, a high mountain and they got to see the glory of God as Jesus was transformed right before them. And his face shone like the sun, right? And his clothes were as white as light. And then what happened? God spoke and he said this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And since it's impossible to please God without faith, we know Jesus had to have had faith. In fact, we can read all about the life of Jesus and see him demonstrate his faith by obedience to God. He humbled himself in complete obedience to God by going to the cross. And it was from the cross that Jesus said this to God. He said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He trusted God enough to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. He followed through on what God had commanded him to do. That's the shield of faith in action right there. And what makes Jesus the author and finisher of our faith? That's what makes him that. The author and finisher of our faith. If we want to activate the shield of faith in our lives, then we've got to trust in Jesus by fixing our eyes on him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Looking unto Jesus. Other translations, this is King James. Other translations would use the words, fix your eyes upon. Right? So looking unto who? Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our shield of faith. Now, as we've shown with the other pieces of armor, let's connect this with the armor of light. John chapter 12, verse 46 says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in what? In darkness. What did we say in the very beginning? We're to get rid of deeds of darkness. We don't abide in those things. So if you believe in Jesus, you should be getting rid of all those deeds of darkness. The shield of faith is Jesus. And when we activate this shield by our complete trust in Jesus, we are putting on a piece of the armor of light. Now, the next piece of armor that we're to put on, it comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, and this is the helmet of of salvation. And once again, I'm going to say that Jesus is the helmet of salvation because he is the armor of light. He's the armor of light that we've been talking about putting on. We've established this every time we've talked about a piece of armor. Now, not only is Jesus the armor we've been talking about, he also wears the same armor. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 17 says this, "For he put on righteousness as a breastplate." He is Jesus. For Jesus put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Jesus is the greatest warrior who has ever lived. 
He wore the same armor Paul is encouraging us to put on. Now, I think it's interesting that the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation are mentioned together here. This helps us see the significance of them being paired together. What's the significance? A breastplate is what protects your vital organs. That's what protects your heart. Your heart is like the seat of your emotions. That's where your feelings are. That's that's where all that is. And the breastplate is what protects that. Then you have the helmet, right? That's on your head. That helmet of salvation, that's what protects our mind. Your mind is one of the main focal points of the enemy, isn't it? So Jesus protects both your heart and your mind because he's the armor of light. I love that being paired together, right? Because we need that protection, our heart and our mind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can obtain salvation through Jesus because he is our salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one and only exclusive way to heaven. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, The Lord excuse me there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved the helmet of salvation is jesus now let's make the connection to the armor of light psalm 27 verse 1 says the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid David in this psalm not only makes the connection between Jesus as our salvation and the armor of light, he also reminds us here of one of the greatest weapons of warfare the enemy will try to exploit in our lives. What is it? Doubt's good. What else? Fear. Fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is what paralyzes. It causes us to run, to hide, to shrink back, to avoid to stress, to worry. Listen, as a child of God, we should be fearless. There is nothing we should fear. The Lord God Almighty is our shield. He's that 360-degree protection we talked about. Now, if you're a child of God, or excuse me, if you're not a child of God, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or you're not living in or for Jesus, then you absolutely have every right to fear. There's plenty to fear if you're not unable to put on that helmet of salvation. That means there's nothing protecting your mind from the devil. And why should there be anyway? Because if you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, the devil is the least of your worries. He's the least of your worries. You're actually on his side. In other words, you're on the wrong side of the war that is raging right now. You're actually an enemy of God and subject to God's wrath and judgment. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he said, do not... any distractions whatsoever there we go praise your holy name all right so let me start back over on that we were talking about matthew chapter 10 verse 28 do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able 
to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, this is a very sobering warning if you're not wearing the helmet of salvation. However, if you are wearing the helmet of salvation, let's look at the next couple of verses that come right after this. Let's see this. Verse 29. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. How much value? God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son into this world so that you would not have to perish and live an eternity in hell apart from him. That's how much value you are. No amen on that? Man. (laughs) Yeah, that's how much value you are. You see, everything and everyone in this world has limited power. God has limitless power. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is nothing he can't do. So he is the only one we should fear. He is. We have all the protection that we need in him. We need never fear anything or anyone else. The truth is, the only one that we should fear is God himself. And when you properly fear him, when you properly fear him, you will not fear anything or anyone else. The kind of fear that Satan throws at us is completely different than the fear of the Lord. Satan's fear is a fear that paralyzes. It causes us to wither. The fear of the Lord is very different. It's reverence that results in obedience. We just finished a series on living in the fear of the Lord just a few weeks ago, and it is the only way for us to live. We all need to put on that helmet of salvation so we can protect our mind. That's what that helmet does. It protects our mind. It also serves as our hope. On the day Jesus returns, when we receive the full salvation that awaits us, right? We're going to receive that when he comes back. And it's a hope worth waiting for. That is a hope worth enduring for. No matter what craziness the devil tries to throw at us, he can never take away this hope. He can try what the word of God promises us otherwise. Now, for this helmet to be truly effective in our lives, I want you to lean in on this. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, this right here is what I want you to walk out of the door with. For this helmet to be truly effective, we must treasure what it represents. We must treasure what it represents. It's a representation of Jesus. Listen to the words from this psalm. Psalm 73, verses 25 through 28. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may feel, might fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Isn't that beautiful? The word of God is beautiful. I just love it. Is God the desire of your heart? Is he? Is he the desire of your heart? Do you long for him more than anything on this earth? Is he really the strength of your heart? Is he your shelter? And are you so focused and full of joy in his presence that you can't help but tell everyone about him? 
This is a picture of someone who is consumed with the Lord God Almighty. You see, this is a picture of someone who is wearing the helmet of salvation. That's what this is. So you might be wondering to yourself, how can I have that? How can I have that kind of focus? How can I protect my mind? How can I delight in the Lord like this? How can I have that? Well, the answer is in the Bible. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. All the answers we need are in the Bible, friend. We just got to open it up and read it. Let me show you. Do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't be conformed. Don't follow the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. You see, first, we need to have the helmet of salvation on our heads. And then what we need to do, what we need to do after that is we need to protect our minds by renewing our minds. How do you renew your mind? You get into the word of God. What's another name for the word of God? It's also known as the sword of the spirit. And that's the last piece of armor that we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> you like that? I had to have a cliffhanger there. I want, you to, I want you to come back next week. I had initially planned to include the sword of the spirit for today, but after getting deep into the preparation of this message, it became very clear to me that an entire message dedicated to that subject was a lot more appropriate than trying to cram it in right here at the end. So you'll just have to come back next week. Today we talked about the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. In order for the Lord to be the shield of faith for you, there must be trust in him from you. Trust is what activates the shield. No trust, no shield. And this shield has the power to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one, all of them. The helmet of salvation, that's what protects our mind. That's what gives us hope. But in order for this helmet to be truly effective, we must treasure what it represents. It represents Jesus because he is our salvation, the one and only Son of God, the one and only way to heaven, the one and only truth, the one and only true life, and the one and only one who lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the grave three days later, defeating death, hell, Satan, sin, and every enemy of God for all time and for all people who put their complete trust in him as both their Lord and their Savior. We've got to armor up. That's what we've got to do. We've got to put on the armor of God because when you do, you're putting on the armor of light. He is the armor. So to put him on, you've got to abide in him, which means you need to live in him. We must cast off all the works of darkness, all the things that entangle us in this world, all the things that distract us from who we are in Christ. If we're children of God, then we need to live as children of the light. Come out of the dark. Live in the light. We must come out of the darkness of this world and live as children of light, which means we need to be wearing the armor of light. We need to be prepared no matter what happens in this world. We've got to be prepared. It's one of the main catalysts for this whole message series is being prepared. And we can do that by keeping our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. It's time to speak the truth. It's time we stop compromising with the world. It's time we armor up. It's time we start wearing the armor of light. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ by faith, today is the day of salvation if you've not done that. 
today is. If you've never surrendered your life to him, today is the day to make that decision. If you've somehow slidden back into darkness in your life, today is the day to come back to the light. Everything depends on your love for Jesus, everything. What is your relationship with him really like? Are you choosing to serve him faithfully, casually, or not at all? He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in your life. There is no in-between. He's given us everything we need to experience victory in this life right now. Child of God, it's time we armor up. Let's pray. Father, we praise your name, your great name, for the truth that we have in you. Lord God, help us to walk as children of light. Thank you for the armor of God, the armor of light. Thank you for Jesus in our lives. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, if there's someone here who's never surrendered their life to you, Father, that your Holy Spirit would draw them and woo them to you to make that decision today, to make sure that before they leave this room that they have assurance of their salvation. Others here that are here today, Lord, that understand that they're, they're trying to put on the armor or trying to wear the armor while they've got deeds of darkness in their life. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would convict them of that and help them to, to throw those things off and to live in victory by living in the light. Lord God, you've given us everything we need. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for truth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. If you're here and you need prayer and you'd like someone to pray for you, I encourage you to come forward. If you want to talk about salvation, maybe you're unsure about it, come forward. I'd love to talk to you. Anything else that's on your mind that you just need prayer about, come forward. We'll talk about it. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week.